but I, I want to invite you, open up your Bibles. We're in the book of Luke. And if you're brand new to your Bible, what an awesome introduction, because it, it's written in its opening sentences. It says that this, this would be for you to have confidence in, in the description, in the person, in the claim of Jesus, Savior of the world. And we're coming at this book with that intention. In fact, that's, that's how we've uh, introduced it. That's how we're going to walk through it. And we're looking at chapter 4. I'll be reading verses 1 to 13. And, and this is one of those passages. Let me build it or, or, or preface it this way. We sometimes read the Bible and we, we look at a passage and we go, hmm, that's interesting. I don't know what to do with that. And we just kind of put it on the shelf and never take it off again. And, and today we want to we slow down and look at what's happening here, not just so that we have understanding, but my heart and my hope for us is that it would cause you to have action. Reading from chapter 4, verse 1 to 13. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put your Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the reading of God's word. Again, we're developing a new series. We're relatively fresh in the book of Luke. Uh, last week, Trevor read and, and preached from chapter 3, where we saw Jesus in this awesome moment at, at his baptism. In fact, he, he focused most of the time on John the Baptist, but let me catch you up something that, that is really the lingering moment in the narrative that, that, that kind of we transition into in this text, which is John, or sorry, Luke 3, verses 21 to 22. It says, Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Like, that's a cool moment. I mean, help, let me help you understand why. If you're new to your Bibles, it, it's an incredible moment because we see the triune God. That's God, one God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, present in tangible sense all at one moment. Mark that in your Bibles. But we also see this moment where it's like the glory of God is breaking through. It's a highlight and an exciting part of his inaugural stepping into his earthly ministry where the voice of God booms from heaven. That's my boy. Almost as if to convey, hey, everybody, I hope you're taking notice. He's going to do great things. 
He's, he's here to save the world. And, and on that beat, yes, I know, if you want to be analytical this morning, that, that there is a genealogy between that text and this one, but in the narrative arc, on that note, we, we transition to what I just read this morning. Verse 1, where it says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led into the wilderness to be tempted. Uh, you need to know a couple things here. Um, yes, I heard some of you snicker. Uh, the Bible can be obvious. After 40 days, Jesus was hungry. But, but what's happening here is he's, he's drawn out. The, the word led is actually, it's distinct actually from other uh, texts. We, we do see in the Gospels, those are the written accounts of Jesus' life and ministry, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We do see that, that in the narrative structure that this, this lines up with all except for John that doesn't mention it. But we do see that like, immediately following his baptism, Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Some translations would actually say he's cast, but, but Luke says he's led. It's the picture of like a parent leading their child. I'm coming with you, but, but I'm taking you to a place you need to go. Into the wilderness. And the wilderness has, like, don't for a moment think, this is just Jesus getting back to nature. The wilderness speaks to, it could be translated an uninhabitable, desolate, lonely place. But more than that, in Scripture, and if you're unfamiliar with your Bibles, I encourage you to see this. Whenever you read of the wilderness, it's an archetype of, of a place that, that was uncertain, rejection. It, it's human suffering in its most acute form. We probably don't talk like this, but you could use it this way. I'm having a wilderness kind of moment on the day you got fired when you found out incredibly horrific news that are going to impact your life for the rest of your life because it's human suffering in its most acute, intense form. And, and the Holy Spirit says, Jesus, we got to go here. What's being um, teed up, what, what, what we're seeing as a preparation is Jesus has come to do battle on our behalf. And he's not going to skirt the battlefield. In fact, he goes straight into it. He's drawn out in what's likely a difficult, lonely, arduous, firsthand experience of human weakness. To, to hunger as we do, to tire as we do, to be weary as we are, and to be tempted in every way that we have been tempted. Jesus is, and if you were to Take from the other author, authors, looking at Matthew, looking at Mark, he is cast. It's time to go. And, and there's something here that, that I need to say, although it won't be the focus of our, our time together this morning. It is often the case, after the biggest highs in life, come some of the lowest lows. But both are equal threats. These, these are the moments where, where you are most prone to fall. And Jesus walks into that. And our by way of outline, so that you would have greater understanding. If this has been one of those stories on the shelf for you, like, I don't know what to do with this. It's, Jesus was acquainted with suffering, tempted as we are, and victorious in our place. You see, Jesus, creator of everything, who spoke things into being, is rightly sovereign over all creation and glorified, and yet familiar with suffering. There's nothing about his life where he says, you know what, I don't have to do that. I'm going to pull rank and privilege and say, no, 
There, I mean, the reason I mentioned that this comes on the heels of, of this moment where, where the heavens open up, the spirit descends like a dove, and the voice of the Father speaks, is it's jarring. Like, that's a moment where it's like, wow, I, I wonder what God did with that. And, and we don't get any explanation, but we do see full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness, into a time of incredible hardship and suffering. Now, let, let's just... Speak to the obvious for a moment. Hunger. Like your, your Bibles read, after 40 days he was hungry. Like after 40 minutes. <laughs> you know, if you, I saw the look on your kids' faces when I'm like, cake after the service. It was like, oh, no, I can't, I can't wait that long. Jesus was afflicted in every way we are. Jesus experienced everything, including the mundane. This is, this is hungry. He, he faces, this is a face-to-face stepping into everything that it means to be human. In, in fact, this sermon, if, 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 if I could give this to you, if you're, if you're kind of going, I'm not sure if I'm going to take a nap or not, here, here's the deciding moment. If you have ever had a moment or if you're in this place right now where you've said, God, where are you? Or why God? Then, then this is for you. Because he faced and he was afflicted in every suffering that we experienced. And now, if you think about it, human suffering in, in hunger, it, it's, it's a picture of, the, like as Westerners, when, when we have such abundance in food, you know, when we, when we face hunger, that's a physiological cue where we go, hmm, do I order Vietnamese or Indian food? It, when it's meant to be a biological marker of, hey, uh, do something about this, or we're going to have to make some triage decisions as your cells about what's going to function and what's not. And if you don't attend to this over time, we're going to have to make more difficult decisions unto the point of death. That's hunger. Like, we don't know that. We've actually lost the spiritual practice of fasting. This is not a sanctified diet. You know, if you're, if you're going, man, the holidays were a little sloppy, I think I should fast. That's not what this is. Jesus is going into the wilderness full of the Spirit. I'll get back to that in a moment. Leaning on all the tools that are at our disposal as humans and limited in every capacity that we are. And in that place... He's also going, and I'm going to fast. I'm going to depend on one thing, and that's my relationship with God. Fasting is many things at once. It is a picture of nothing is more important than my time with the Lord. And so I'm, I'm going to put that aside that which I even need to survive for a time being, and that's food. And this biological marker that tells me I'm hungry, I'm going to use that as an alarm clock to say, time to pray. And when that gets hard, I'm going to use that as a discipline to go, I'm going to weigh out in my, my thoughts and my devotions. Lord, do you mean more to me than, than satisfying this ache that is inside me? That's a picture of fasting. And oftentimes we see it in Scripture, not just when people want to draw closer to the Lord, but when they have a, a, a time of deep repentance. God, my heart is, is rendered in two, and only you can fix it, and I am not going to stop praying. I'm not going to stop for anything, including food, until you answer God, there is a, a heartache in our family and I'm going to pray for that person and I am going to refrain from this thing that I know I need, but I need your answer. I need your intervention. I need you more. That is the posture 
that Jesus is taking here. So don't think of this as like, you know what, Jesus is just kind of doing high-intensity interval training. You know, people suffered in the wilderness for 40 years, but they had manna, sweet bread, 40 days, no food. I got it. That's, That's not what's happening here. Jesus is going into the arena, and he is experiencing everything we have, tempted in every way. Listen, if you've been hungry, you know this. And I'm not, like, some of you have been hangry. That's different. (laughs) That's like, if I don't get a sandwich soon, somebody's going to know about it. Like, Jesus is so beaten down. Hungry, weary, thin, exhausted. If you've ever been in a place like that, you, you'll give anything to just give, make that stop. Like, what, what, what good to me is my life if I, if I am so depleted? And in that place, here comes the evil one. Now, now, some of you haven't received good teaching on this. You think somehow that this is a battle of the heavyweights. The two equal powers of good and evil are going to duke it out in the wilderness, and that's not the case. Jesus, even on a bad day, even in his weakness, even as depleted as he is, Satan can't lay a finger on him, but can only hide behind schemes and temptation. He, he speaks to him. Actually, the word when he says, if you are the Son of God, that can be translated since. I'm not gonna, we're not going to mince words here. But if I could get behind some of these temptations and help you see what Jesus faced, you you can imagine it this way. Satan comes up, first temptation, we see this in verse 3. Observing that Jesus was hungry, understatement of the century, he says essentially this. You're the son of God, so command these stones to become bread. What's really being said because we miss so much about communication just in the words themselves. The tone, the inflection, the meaning, the context is essentially this. Jesus, you, you fed the people in the desert. You gave them manna from heaven. We just came out of the book of Exodus, so you know what I'm talking about. You gave them sweet bread from the sky. And here you are, wasting away. That doesn't seem right. You see, The temptation, the primary tool of the accuser, Satan, the devil, is to to feed you just enough truth to bait the hook. You just had this glory moment, baptized, the Father displaying his love and affection and pleasure over you, the filling of his spirit, and here you are wasting away. That just doesn't seem right. And, and here's where Satan and our pride are aligned to speak and, and bring us into a trap. We always think this, when we suffer and we have hardship, that, that our suffering is somehow unique, special, inordinate, and, and, and distinct from everybody else. Like, I get that you suffer, but when I suffer, that, that, that's an injustice. Right? How many of you, when somebody has a flat tire and you drive by them, oh, sucks to be you. <laughs> Maybe you don't use those words, but you're still maturing pastor might. You know, glad it's not me. But when it's us, what do we do? God, where are you? Why is this happening to me? That, that's how we function. 
You know, this, this isn't injustice. This isn't right. This isn't fair. Do you know how many times, on a weekly basis, I hear somebody say, Aaron, where was God when? And then they proceed to tell me about when they were abused as a child, when they were hurt by somebody they trusted, when they were betrayed, when they, when they lost, when they like, bet big, so to speak, in life and lost big. And they're like, where was God when? And, and here's what we see in the temptation in the wilderness is that Jesus, he didn't use his privilege, his position, his glory, or his authority to skirt the human experience, but he dove right in. He responds, Satan, I, I, I don't need that. Not because I'm not human, but because I, my, my suffering has purpose. This hardship ha- is part of the plan. You see, I, I, I built this whole message thinking of the person who said, God, where were you when? And it's in those moments, if you've ever walked with somebody in loss or experienced it yourself, I recently heard from an expert in the area of grief, and he spoke of his own grief saying this. He, he lost his wife way too early to cancer. And though being a, a, a standout and leading practitioner and thought uh, provider on, the, on what it means to treat grief and mourning, he would say, there I was in the midst of this suffering, and at he, he recalls two very distinct interactions. One was a, a friend who sat down with him and began by speaking to him, saying a lot of things, saying things like, you know, all things that work out for good. And there's a purpose behind everything. And he reports on that memory saying, I couldn't wait for him to leave. In comparison to another interaction with a friend who he said, sat down with me, said very little, if anything, and reports back saying, I couldn't, I couldn't bear the thought of him going away. If you're in that place right now, or if it's so easy to bring up those memories of, God, where were you when? Why are you silent? Perhaps it's because he's inviting you to go, don't you see that I didn't, there's nothing I can say other than just that you would see that I sat in your suffering as well. Everything you faced, I faced. Betrayal? Yes. Hardship? Yes. Everything. I know what it is, and here's the thing. I didn't deserve any of it. I I chose it. That's why the devil's word has truth. This doesn't seem right. You, hungry? Powerful son of God? Wasting away? He steps into our suffering. He, in fact, Isaiah 53 and Philippians 2 says that he was acquainted with it, that he knew it, that he was emptied. In fact, he was tempted as we are. Admittedly, some of you struggle with the thought that, that Jesus really suffered like we do. You think that God somehow, sorry, that being God, he's somehow super connected to the Father, overflowing with the Spirit, and naturally impervious to endure all that we most certainly will and already have failed to do. But it's not the same. Here's the mystery of the incarnation. That's God in flesh. I'll quote one of my favorite preachers. Trev says, incarnate, it's like to to put meat on. One of the mysteries in that is not not a shred of his divinity, his godness is lost. And yet, fully acquainted and fully limited by the human experience as being fully human as well. 
I mean, that should break your brain a little bit. But here's the comfort you need to receive in that. Jesus stepped into the human condition with the same weaknesses that we have, tempted as we are, and yet equipped with the same tools that we are given. Go back to verse 1. Full of the Spirit. You know, one of my misinterpretations of this, that, that, you know, it's great when you get to be a preacher and slow down and read and learn for yourself, is I kind of thought, man, he was white-knuckling it through the wilderness. No, he was ministered to. He was filled by the Spirit. He was walking in step with the Lord. And even in your hardest places, the most acute suffering of your life, you can, through a close relationship with with God and being led by His Spirit, you, you can do the same. You've already failed, so I'm not saying you can live perfectly. But, but here's what's true. The wilderness experiences as we see them in Scripture are always a picture of what is a temporary, rarely indefinite experience. This is us in, in the hardship. This is us in the valleys. This is us when we feel we're all alone, we're rejected and despised, and nobody's there for us. That can, be, that can be accurate, that can be a state of mind, and that can be a season. But in those moments, you can experience a walk with the Holy Spirit like none other, because you know what? They're quiet. The only voice is the one that, that you bring. And Jesus was leaning in perfectly to the Spirit. Again, this is the mystery of the incarnation, but we also see um, it, 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 it's exactly what he needed as the tools to endure. Again, going back to, to hunger, we, we again, it, as, as, as it turns out, we, we know that you know, the, the human ability to be without food is about 40 days. That, that would mean that Jesus was uh, somewhere between the, the ferocious you know, debater that he, he is in this picture and actually being on the brink of real physiological collapse. In fact, I, if you look in the story, and, and by the way, this, this was 40 days. A, a brief snapshot does not depict it well. When it, when it talks about, it's like, and then Satan brought him here. And then Satan brought him here. If you've ever been so depleted, which probably none of us have, but you can try and imagine that, I, I just imagine, like, like, Satan's like, come with me, come with me, and she's kind of going with. But with everything he needed, not in food, not in his own self-esteem, but, but in who he was in relationship to the Father as he is reminded by the Spirit. Church, this is, this is why you got to get to know your Bible. you got to get to know your Bible, not, not so that you can have, you know, quips to throw, but when, when, when the temptation comes, you know truth because there's just enough to bait the hook. Again, uh, look, look again at this when it says, second temptation. Satan speaks directly at the mission and the motivation of Jesus. In the midst of his vulnerability, the devil says to him, verse 6 and 7, and this is my paraphrase, but listen, let's cut to the chase. We all know why you're here. You know, but, but look around you, all these kingdoms, Jesus, none of them have, you've come to save them. You are their rightful king, but none of them have your name on them. Look at their gates, look at their temples, look at their palaces. They built them for themselves. But you and I know, 
I have no borrowed authority. And, 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 and that's true. A borrowed authority. That, like, think of Satan. You know, this is where Robin Hood, Lord of the Rings, Lion King comes, comes in helpful. The wrong king is on the throne. And Scripture attests to that. You know, prince of the air, of the world. He, he's the chief rabble-rouser in a kingdom of rebellion. He's like, you know, that comes with some sway. And all these kingdoms that I have helped establish in rebellion to you, I'll give them to you if you worship me. What, what's he saying there? Jesus, I got a shortcut. You know, like, let's do away with the pageantries. I'm not saying Satan knew exactly what Jesus was doing, but, you know, he arrives on the scene, the, the unkillable, killable, the great I am in flesh. And he's like, something is going down. You're here to reclaim what is rightfully yours. Tell you what, let's cut a deal. Listen, you, you know this is how your mind works. When you want to avoid what is hard, you will look for shortcuts. I still, I have this distinct memory, and, and my parents can attest to it. They're over there. But as a kid, you know, when you're old enough to, like, pull your weight, but young enough that you don't want to. <laughs> like, one of, one of the things I was asked to is, like, Aaron, can you take out the trash? Which was, like, walking the length of the backyard and putting, you know, opening the gate and putting it in an alley. Like, like, that's so hard. But I remember being like, oh, my life, it's so difficult. <laughs> you know, and you, and you, you embody the role, right? So you drag the bags. <laughs> And we had this, this gate that, you know, if, if you've ever seen a Weiss build anything, it's functional, just not pretty. That's from my grandfather, father, myself. Like, you just, it works. But, you know, so you kind of had to put weight on the gate and lift it a certain way to open it. And I was having trouble with it. I'm like, forget this. And I threw the bags over. And you know those fences with, the, like, the peaks? <laughs> you know, it's, hindsight would have told me a lot. Of course, they catch directly on it, tear open, and garbage spilt in the alleyway. And of course, you know, like eight-year-old Aaron is going, eh. <laughs> <laughs> no one will ever know. <laughs> you know, and the moment my, this is, this is a quote that's burned in my memory from my dad, who gives me fresh garbage bags, t- parades me in shame to the back alleyway, and says, says nothing other than, son, you can do it right or you can do it twice. to avoid the path that we've been given, the acute hardship that we're in, we will look at any shortcut, won't we? And this is how, again, he baits the hook. It's exactly the same thing that, that Esau falls into when he trades his birthright for a bowl of soup. You know, to satisfy a hunger in me right now, sure, I'll throw away that which is rightfully mine and far greater for simple satisfaction in the moment. And, and here's where I get to be a bit of a nerd. There, there, tests have been done that, that people actually cannot, you cannot fathom the future you. That's a stranger. So forget that guy. That's his problem. That's her problem. But to actually have the foresight to go, you know what, I need to, I need to walk through this hardship doesn't just come from wisdom. It doesn't just come from a place of, of knowing what we're, our aim is. It actually comes from a place of what is mine and rightly to be protected. And that's why you need to know Scripture, because when the evil one comes in and goes, you know what, you can do this. 
I'm going to push on some buttons. But you know how many people come up to me and go, you know, I love Jesus. I follow him. I want him to work in my life. And then they share with me the habits of, of pattern sin in their life. And they're like, I think he's okay with that. And I kind of go, well, you know, obviously inward Aaron is going, no. <laughs> Outward Aaron is going like, tell me more. Why do you think you're stuck? You've been taking a shortcut by trading your birthright in Christ for cheap, false goods. That, that essentially, Jesus could have replied this way, these kingdoms are already mine. My name is stamped all over them. My image is born on the hearts of every human that, I shouldn't say crawls, that walks the face of this earth. What you're offering me is trinkets. This is already my kingdom. Is it any surprise, and, and spoiler alert for next week, this is what Jesus essentially says in the remainder of the chapter. Um, and I'm here, and my kingdom is also. It's not like it's coming, you know, you know, Here's the trailer. Get excited. You know, on this date, it's coming in theaters near you. It's like, no, I'm here, so it's here. Satan, you have nothing to offer me. That you would say, when, when he says, you know what, you're shame, man, that, that's rough. Do this, and I'm pretty sure that'll alleviate that. You can go, you know what, I've already exchanged my shame for, for his righteousness. That's mine. You know, you've, you've got some regrets in your past. Try this, do this, entertain this relationship. You might feel better. No, those regrets have been given to Christ and he's given me a, a clean and fresh start in him. I am a son, I am a daughter of the King of Kings. You got to know your Bible. And if you're going, I, I don't know how to combat this, then keep getting in to his word. That's how Jesus combats. And, and brief pause here. I, I know some of you have had a tough week. I, I know that literally. I also know that any group this size, that's true. And it seems like it adds, you know, insult to injury, salt in the wound, that, that somehow when you're at your lowest, that's when the evil one swoops in. In fact, it's when you're at your highest heights and your lowest lows that you are most uh, susceptible to temptation because you'll entertain the same thought, which is, you know what? I don't know if I need God. You know, life's going pretty well without him. Maybe I don't need him. Or, you know what? Look how bad life is with him. I don't know if I want him. And that's exactly the way he speaks in this temptation. Jesus, who is tempted in every way we are, this is not just pageantry. This is real. And yet he holds up. And notice that we see that in verse 13. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until what? An opportune time. Okay, I can see you're, okay, you're prepared today, Jesus. I'll be back. <laughs> like, just, just so that you know, dear Christian, or if you're you know, considering following Jesus, your great days and your low days, I don't care how you navigate that, he'll be back. Temptation will follow. And that'll come from your own heart, your own twisted desires. That'll come straight from the evil one, and that'll come from the world too. You know, we, we're pretty good at making excuses and justifying that which is not ours and not ours to have, but we want. You know, it's like everybody else is doing it. 
I'm sure Jesus wouldn't mind. You know, God seemed to forgive that guy, so maybe I can do that too. And lastly, he's victorious in our place. I want to encourage you with this. Jesus didn't just win because he resisted and stood the test where we all fail. He's victorious because of his suffering. If you've ever played a sport and and you've had the privilege like me in holding down a bench, (laughs) you know that it doesn't matter that you're wearing the jersey. Anyone in the stands can get one of those. What, What makes you feel good what gives you a love for the game is when it's when that thing is soaked in sweat and it's covered in the blood and the dust and 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 the grass stains of the court and the field then you know I, i entered the game this is the picture of jesus wears our team jersey and he and he and it is drenched in his sweat covered in our sin soaked in his blood life lived exactly as we would experience it, only except he, he never failed. Jesus is victorious because he plays the game and is our perfect representative. He's, he's God's man and he's ours. That's the mystery of the incarnation. It's not like, well, you know what, I'll show up and I'll, I'll skirt all the hard stuff and I'll just write the final exam and we're good. He, he, he passed the entire course with flying colors. Jesus enters into the arena. And, and some of us, if you're a history buff, you'll like this, but we see it in Scripture too. Um, champion by combat. That's David and Goliath. That's let's, let's uh, settle this whole debate this, and this whole matter with you send your best fighter, I'll send mine. And what, whatever the outcome, that's what we'll honor as the outcome between our armies. There's, there's a handful of historical uh, pictures where that took place, not just David and Goliath as we see in Scripture, but most historians would say it's rare because no one, when something so crucial as a kingdom, as a nation on the line, would actually put it into the hands of one person. In fact, historically, most of the time when that is the case, it's because two nations would look at each other and say, if we actually fight, we'll be so diminished that it doesn't matter what the outcome is, another neighboring nation will come and obliterate us, so we have to do it this way. There is something twisted inside of us that goes, can I really lean everything into the victory that is given in Jesus? And he is our best and only representative, the only one who matters when he's on the field. That, that he steps up and we can go, yes. I mean, this is, we just came out of the Christmas season. This is what we celebrate with God with us, that, that we know the covenanting God of the Old Testament and the posture of a loving God who says, I, I will be true to my word. And when I enter into a promise, I see it through. And when he steps into humanity in flesh, we go, he's going to do something great. He's going to be the perfect representative. He's going to be the one that fights the battle in our place. And consider the final temptation, verses 9 and 11, where the accuser takes Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple and says, okay, now throw yourself off. I mean, what's, what's going on there? He, he quotes Psalm 91, which, by the way, is one of the most misquoted psalms in the church. Like, that is not, I mean, we just came out of COVID, and it's like, nothing's going to happen to me, Psalm 91. And that, that person comes down with COVID like 30 seconds later. It, it's a promise of God. God's got you. It doesn't mean you're impervious to human suffering. 
If Jesus had to go through it, what makes you think that, oh, you know what, my life's going to be awesome. Like, I, I am sorry if, if this is true for you. It, it is for me. I, I grew up in, under an understanding, and maybe it was me, maybe it was the teacher. I don't know, but I kind of thought, man, if you give your life to Jesus, it's sunshine and rainbows from there on in. Not the case. You, you have a target on your back. A target that says, no, you stepped into the true kingdom and I want to pull you up. See, Jesus enters the wilderness. He's cast into the wilderness to cast the wilderness out of us. You know, every good story, every good movie where there's a rescue scene, what do they do? We have to go to the heart of the evil lair, the pits of despair, Mordor. Yeah, name your thing. Why? Because that's, that's where they are. That's where our friends are. And we have to go there to rescue. Jesus is Savior of the world. And he goes, I have to go into the wilderness. I have to be victorious where they failed. Otherwise, no saving can take place. And so when the accuser says to him, you know, throw yourself down, he's, he's essentially saying this, Jesus, you and I both know. I can't lay a finger on you. I can't shove you. But if you jump, it's the ancient day equivalent of going viral. Everyone will see and be wowed. They will ooh and they will ah, And you'll get your message out there. I, listen, Jesus, I've been around. I know these people. You've got to wow them to win them. That's what he's saying. He's like, do your Chris Angel mind freak thing and you'll have your own show in Vegas. What do you think? If you think that's odd, I mean, the same kind of thought process is spoken by the disciples many times to Jesus. Shall we cast down lightning, Jesus? That'll show him. You know, it's this picture of, if this were up to me, I know how I would do it. I would grasp for glory, attention and fame. Every pastor, including myself, has had that thought, maybe even briefly, but you know what? Maybe I'll be the next Tim Keller. And then, God will do great things. I'll have, I'll have the platform. I'll have the fame. And, I, and Jesus enters the scene. This is what he does. I, I, I didn't choose to go viral. I didn't choose to be propped up. I didn't choose the glory that is rightly and deservedly mine. I chose the wilderness because I want to get my people out. From the moment we see in Genesis 3, humanity steps into rebellion in a broken relationship with God. Where are they sent? The wilderness. Where, where life is hard, where there is suffering, where there is the consequences of our sin. And I say this compassionately. If you're going, but my life is really hard. I'm sorry. There is consequences, not just for your sin, but every sin in this world. The choices of others and, and the reverberating effects that cannot be stopped until Christ comes back. But there is a God who sits in your suffering to go, I know. I know. Maybe I don't even speak a word, just that you would know, that you would see the nail pierced through hands and understand that I have suffered just as you, in fact, far greater. I'm as acquainted with the hardships and the desire to get off this crazy thing of life that, that is causing you so much pain, but here's the thing. I've won a victory in your place. That's the picture of the gospel. It, it's the picture of, 
of a herald running back into the streets and saying, there has been one who's fought for you and won a victory that is yours and yours completely. And we receive that through repentance and faith. In fact, I, I would be amiss not to connect the dots here, but, but Jesus, 40 days in the wilderness, he's, he's demonstrating, I, I am the right representative. Not, not the people who are 40 years in the wilderness and yet grumbled, complained, and rebelled. No, not a people enslaved for 400 years in Egypt. Not for those brought into exile for 400 years in Babylon, but, but for 40 days. Afflicted and tempted as we, victorious in our place. See, Jesus cast, didn't cast himself in the limelight. He was cast in the wilderness to get the wilderness out of us. And, and church, here, here's how I want to close. If, I'm going to pray a moment that, that like if, if you are walking through hardship, which I know is many of you, and you are going, God, where were you when? That you would at least have the courage to go, God, if, if you're here, I want to feel you right now. I want to know your presence. Scripture says if you seek him with all your heart, you'll find him. So I'm not worried about that. Or if you are going, but God, there is a shortcut and I want to take it and I don't see the end of the road, that, that you would be able to see the courage of, of one who lived life perfectly in your place. And if there's a story attached to that that needs more than just a, a time of individual prayer, that would you come back at the end of the service? There'll be some of our prayer team here to pray with you as well. So let's bow our heads. I'll pray, and then the music team's going to come back up. So, Father, I, I thank you for your word, and, and I, I thank you for your victory in our place. Jesus, acquainted with suffering, it is no small title to say our Savior is familiar with hardship. You did not escape, skirt, or flee from any battle, but Lord, you threw yourself right into it. But Lord, showed us not only that we can have the same victory in the same spirit that you walked with, that we can walk with through right relationship with you, through repentance and faith, but also, God, that in our suffering, we're not alone. Perhaps in our suffering, we can understand something greater of your love for us. Perhaps in our hardship, Jesus, we can understand the mission that you went through. And Lord, in the wilderness moments of our life, God, we can draw closer to you. So Lord, I pray for anyone today who's had a tough week, who's walking through hardship, who's going, God, where were you when? That God, you would make yourself so real to them. And I pray you give courage to those who are going, I need more than just a prayer at the end of a message. I need to walk with a community that, that can bear me up. Lord, will we do that for each other? It's in your name we pray. Amen.